this time next year. Written and read by Liz Hines. 27th of July, Sunday, lunchtime. David phoned to make sure I had got home safely. Ah, it's a bit late to be worrying about that, isn't it? I beg your pardon? I could have been raped, murdered and tossed in the canal by now. And which canal would that be? Don't pick hairs, you know what I mean. I didn't phone before because I didn't think that phoning you last night would be a good idea. What do you mean? I suspected that you would still be in full flow. I hoped that you would have calmed down by now. Calm down? I was aware that my voice was getting rather high-pitched, so I made an extra effort to speak normally. I am perfectly calm, thank you. Good. Then perhaps I could take you for lunch and we could talk about... He hesitated. About what? My underlying problems, maybe? Is that what you'd like? It must be wonderful being a psychiatrist and being so good at understanding people and knowing how to deal with them in all situations by simply walking off and leaving them at the mercy of any crazed taxi driver. I can see that we're not going to get anywhere today. Not today, not ever. You're probably right. I apologise for... Oh, whatever it is you want me to apologise for, and I won't bother you again. Thank you. I slammed down the phone. I'm better off without him, without a shadow of doubt. Clever thinks he know it all smart-ass, who doesn't actually know anything. Didn't even know what it was he was supposed to be apologising for, and thought a blanket apology would make it all right. And him a psychiatrist of all things. Doesn't offer much hope for his patients. I wonder if I should stick a sign on his door warning them. This man knows nothing. Nothing at all. I wonder if Bev is in. I'll call her. She will understand. I phoned Bev thinking she'd be understanding when I told her about the fire in Claude's, but it was hard to tell as she couldn't speak for laughing. Every time she tried to say something she started cackling and had to stop. In the end she said, I'll have to call you back, Alice, and be in my pants here. So then I called Pippa, who didn't laugh but wasn't much consolation, suggesting that I had overreacted and that maybe I should call David back and invite him to lunch. Honestly, Pippa, have you listened to a word I've been saying? That man is a perfect jerk. Well, you have to admit that he did have a point. You do seem to have been a bit excessive in your reaction. Excessive in my reaction, my foot... I can do without friends like these. A little later. Stupid lawnmower. I decided to cut the grass, as mowing was a calm, repetitive occupation that I could do without getting stressed. But the mower broke down in the middle. Now I have half a mowed lawn and a broken mower. I called to ask if Dad could come and repair my mower, but he's playing golf all day. And I wish I hadn't phoned. I had to listen to a long saga involving Mrs Reese down the road, the WI and allegations of cheating in the jam competition. And this was after Mum had told me in some detail about the sad demise of Kathleen, who is the sister of Auntie Jean, who works in Billy's, but only on Wednesday afternoons now, and I must remember her because she's the one who used to make me woolly hats when I was a child. I don't remember Auntie Jean, but I do remember woolly hats. They were responsible for some of my worst experiences in infant school. I've opened a bottle of wine. I'm going to sit for a moment to collect myself before starting weeding.
later again. I'd been stung by a wasp. I was minding my own business, enjoying a glass of wine, when the stupid thing attacked me viciously after I tried to carefully flick it away from my glass. Oh, I'm not having a good day and I feel very sorry for myself. I'm going to forget the weeding idea and instead would stretch out and read while nursing my throbbing arm. In bed. I love Pippa and Bev. They are the best friends a girl could have. They turned up just after seven, bearing chocolate and wine. And they didn't even mention the strange sunburn marks on my face, the result of me falling asleep with sunglasses on. I had a lovely evening with them, infinitely better than the previous night's experience. All are agreed that A, I am far better off without smart arse, and B, Restaurants should not be allowed to have exposed candles on display. The only thing we didn't agree on was how likely it was that one of our local taxi drivers could be a psychopathic killer. Pippa thought it unlikely as they have to go through very rigorous checks. Huh, as if that would stop a psychopathic killer. While Bev thought it was highly likely. Especially if the one who pulled out right in front of her on the big roundabout just by Sainsbury's last week was anything to go by. 28th of July, Monday. Official financial forms were returned in the post from David, Mr Davis that is. I was surprised to see how attractive his handwriting is. Quite unlike a doctor's, more like an artist's. It's unusual for a man to have stylish writing. Oh, it's rather girly in fact, now that I think about it. And no matter what young Mr D thinks, I was not sniffing the forms when he walked in. I had just happened to notice a rather strong, overpowering even, scent of aftershave being given off by them. 29th of July. I've just woken up. I've had such a vivid, peculiar dream, I feel I should record it. In it, I was the Queen's illegitimate half-sister. She announced this to a packed house in the Albert Hall. The one in London, that is, not the bingo club in town and told me, I was sitting in the circle, to come on down and take my rightful place at her side. I woke up then, but not before I had been mortified by the creases in my dress. I wonder what it means. Lunchtime. A picture of the Queen on the front of Muriel's newspaper reminded me of my dream. I asked Muriel what she thought it might mean. After all, she is a Daily Mail reader and knows about these things. She listened carefully, had a think, then said she thought it suggested a deep sense of insecurity and longing, adding that the creased dress was, in her opinion, very significant. She nodded wisely but wasn't prepared to delve any deeper. It can be dangerous for the untrained, you know, she said. Mr Davis Senior had come in when we were talking. I once went to a garden party at Buckingham Palace, he said. The Queen was in one of those see-through things. I shuddered at the vision of the Queen's new clothes, but he held his arm out and waved it up and down like a flag. You know, he said, keeps the rain off. I had an umbrella like that, Muriel said. I bought it on the Isle of Wight, only 99 pence. It had yachts on it. Don't think there were yachts on hers. Could have been, though. She's fond of the sea, isn't she? No, that's the Duke. He's the sailor. Were they corgis, maybe? 
Just then the phone rang. I answered it with relief. I was feeling out of my depth in the conversation. 1st of August, Friday. Reasons for getting a man about the house. Sex. A man is bigger than a hot water bottle. Men tend to be good at stripping chicken carcasses and don't mind getting their fingers greasy. Spiders. Adam is off to university soon. There's always a bit on your back that you can't reach to scratch yourself. Fuses. Before he left, Brian showed me where the fuse box was. I'm not sure why, but he seemed to think it was important that I knew. Finally, you can talk about him to your friends. Reasons for not getting a man about the house. Sex. They fart and burp. They insist on wearing matching socks, although perhaps that was just Brian. And grumble if there are no boxes in their pants drawer. Ditto remark about Brian. So, discounting sex, that comes out as six to two in favour of a man about the house. The eyes have it. I must take the search more seriously, especially with Adam's pending departure. 5th of August, Tuesday. I didn't have the best of days in work today. It all began with the key. Young Mr Davies came bustling out of his office. Alice, where's the key? My computer had just accused me of performing an illegal action and was threatening to close me down when young Mr D asked me this, so I was slightly distracted. What key? The key to the filing cabinet. Which filing cabinet? There's only one that's ever kept locked. Oh, that one. Well? Well what? The computer screen had gone blank now. Where's the key? Young Mr Davis yelled. Oh, I don't know. I jumped at his tone. I'd better go and tell Mr Davis that I'll phone him back when you've found the key. Please look for it now. He stamped back into his office and slammed the door. I should have guessed it would be smart-ass on the phone, making poor young Mr D so nervous. He's normally very mild-tempered never gets red in the face. At least not in work. Once he'd gone, it didn't take me long to locate the key. It's just that I can't think when I have someone breathing down my neck. I knew the key had to be somewhere safe. I'm not the sort of idiot who leaves keys lying around just anywhere. It was simply that the actual location escaped me at that precise moment. Once I'd remembered when I'd last used the key, it was a simple matter of retracing my footsteps. And when you think about it, a fridge is a good place to keep a key. What person in their right mind is going to look in there for a key? It turned out to be a good thing that I happened to look in the fridge as I noticed we'd run out of milk. I was surprised as I'd taken a two-pint carton in the day before and we can't have used all that unless Mr Davis Senior has started feeding the seagulls again. Then it was the stapler that took it into its head to throw a staple in the works. I've been using the same stapler in the office for five years, so I've no idea why, today, I put staples in upside down, causing it to stop working completely, making the urgent collating and stapling jobs impossible. 
It did nothing to improve my standing with young Mr Davis. The only bright spot in my day was the arrival of the window cleaner. He looks as though he works out. But maybe it's the window cleaning that gives him rather stunning physique. Perhaps if I cleaned my windows more often it would improve my shape. Or I could just get him to come and do it while I sit in the garden and relax. I could wear that rather flattering t-shirt with the v-neck and could offer him a long drink to cool him down. He'd probably be wearing the same vest he was wearing today with his shoulders bulging out all shiny. He has very strong shoulders, not obscenely strong and bulging like those misshapen weightlifters, just nicely so. Must be carrying his buckets that does it. I noticed he wasn't wearing a wedding ring, and I'm convinced his smile was saying a bit more than thank you when I paid him. He's not that much younger than me, and it's not unknown for women to date younger men. Later. I've just reread the previous paragraph. It would only take a dirty Mac to complete my transformation into lecherous old woman. On reflection, it's probably wiser if I clean my own windows. <laughs>